Good morning, everyone. My name is Jeremy Kitchen. I'm the executive director of Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. Uh, we are joined this morning by Tim Harden, our fearless leader, president and CEO. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, y'all. We are also joined by special guests, Bill Peacock. He's the host of the Liberty Cafe podcast, among several other things. Good morning, Bill. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. Good to be here. And we're also joined by Vance Ginn, a PhD economist. Now, I am working on the back end to try to get him uh, the speaker privilege, but uh, wanted to go ahead and get started while we do that. Um, this morning, I think, you know, it's prudent for us to talk about the Texas legislature. Of course, the ongoing 88th legislative session um, uh, is, you know, the bill filing deadline is this Friday. That marks day 60 of the 88th legislative session. It's for all intents and purposes, the last day lawmakers can file legislation to be considered during the session, barring a pretty high bar to introduce new session afterwards. And so um, I wanted to make sure that we spoke from the perspective of kind of pro taxpayer legislation that has both been filed or yet to have been filed um, uh, as, as we kind of approach that deadline. Um, I won't monologue too much. I'll just say that we've got uh, from a Texans for fiscal responsibility perspective, all the bills that we're tracking that are kind of considered legislative priorities of ours can be found at our website, Texas, spelled out, texastaxpayers.com. Uh, you'll see a text ledge um, uh, menu item there, and you can find our legislative priorities. But kind of wanted to walk through those real quick. Uh, Vance, I see your request. Give me one second. <clears throat> there you go, Vance. So you should have speaker privileges. See there, Vance? Yes, I'm on. Can you hear me? Awesome. Yes, okay, I great. can. Awesome. So apologies for the difficulties, but Tim, I guess let's start with you um, kind of set the stage for the kind of quote unquote pro taxpayer legislation that we're currently following. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we have to start with our Texas prosperity plan, right? And that's a, a really a three part plan, which is the banning of taxpayer funded lobbying. Uh, we are looking for the complete elimination of property taxes. Uh, this session specifically focusing on school MO taxes and a number of different um, uh, bills are supporting that endeavor. And of course, a frozen budget, which would also help us, you know, increase surpluses that would help use surplus dollars to pay down on school MO. Uh, this go round. Uh, there's a number of other different bills we're going to support that are kind of backing those three points. Uh, and I, I will save that, Jeremy. Okay, uh, Bill or Vance, feel free to, to jump in here. Um, you know, obviously, we can talk about specific bill numbers, and I, I'm happy to bring those up. But I think for our for our kind of overarching plan to not only eliminate property tax to curtail government spending at the state and local levels let's kind of talk through i guess some of the more important items now obviously you know we're, when we talk about state spending we're specifically talking about the current budget proposals right so that takes the form of house bill one senate bill one uh, this cycle it would be house bill one that would eventually make its way to the governor's desk um vance i guess let's, let's start with you very briefly as to kind of what that looks like, we're talking about, of course, and you wrote the research uh, proposal for us, we want spending to be frozen. What does that mean at a 30,000 foot level? Yeah, Jeremy, um, and, and we do, right? We're already spending too much. Uh, the budget's already too big. And so what this means is uh, the Texas, uh, the frozen Texas budget is basically 0% growth. You know, don't grow general revenue, don't grow all state funds, don't grow the total budget. Uh, but if you really can focus on 
not growing general revenue, that would leave a lot more in excess revenue, meaning surplus, <laughs> how much they've, they've stolen from us, you know, too much in taxes that, that they can provide in property tax relief, which is what, you know, Texans need all across, uh, all across the state. And so if we're able to do that, we would provide a substantial amount of money, not only the $32.7 billion of surplus that the comptroller said, which it could be more than that at the end of the current biennium, but it also means that going into 24-25, if they freeze that budget, 0% growth, we would have even more excess funds that they could use to really put a big hit on school M&O property taxes, which is set to bring in about $70 billion, uh, about $35 billion a year over the upcoming biennium. So it's a, it's a great opportunity with this frozen budget to really put a dent in property taxes so we have more relief. Bill, what, what are your thoughts here, uh, I guess, you know, on top of what Vance just said, uh, you know, not only on the prospects of this legislative session, but your kind of history in, in promoting this, this subject? Well, when I go out and, and talk to groups uh, across Texas, you know, one, one of the things I always ask them is, is government too big? And in, inevitably, almost everybody in the audience raises their hands, and they feel that way not just about the federal government, but about Texas state government and local government as well. So my question then is, is to the Texas legislature is, well, if government's already too big, why do we think it's okay to let it grow by some metric like population growth plus inflation? Because all that does is just make government bigger and we already think it's too big. You know, one, one of the problems that people have with big government is the way it interferes in our lives. And, and we've seen that in multiple ways over the last, uh, well, it's been for a long time, but particularly since COVID and, and now we've got the deep state and you know FBI and all these kinds of things, right? Government's getting more and more into our lives. And what we've been doing lately, I mean, is playing whack-a-mole, right? Something pops up and we try and go after that. And then something else pops up and go after that. But, but, We'll never win that battle. The only way we can stop government from intruding into our lives, from taking away our constitutional and God-given rights of life, liberty, and property in the pursuit of happiness is by making government smaller. So I've been working uh, with folks over the last, really, three, four years to, to try and bring out this zero growth or frozen budget. Uh, I like to call it sometimes the liberty budget because the only way to make to restore our liberties is to shrink the size of government and that shrinks the number of bureaucrats and and people in government who can come after us so you know rather than get rid of programs we get rid of people and the less people government has the less opportunity they have to interfere in our liberties sure well ted so i and i know tim has said multiple times as he's been speaking um, you know, the, to the extent that, you know, all these other issues, right, all, whether it's social issues, cultural, right, all of those things likely stem from the fact that we give them the power to do that via, right, money, via uh, what they budget. They have, uh, they, they appropriate money to do these things that we dislike, and so we've got to certainly curtail that. Let's pivot real quick. Obviously, we can't talk about any, we can't talk about something like eliminating the property tax without addressing spending, right? Of course, we're talking about state spending here, uh, but, you know, there's varying plans, right, from different organizations on how we would provide property tax relief. Some groups want to outright eliminate the property tax via um, a whole a whole host of vehicles. 
our plan at Texans for Fiscal Responsibility uh, uh, seems to, you know, propose the the idea of buying down, right? Uh, using not only surplus money, but money to uh, buy down and uh, basically ultimately take the burden away from locals uh, for things like property tax. Tim, did you want to maybe intro uh, that? Um, I know there's been bills to, uh, filed uh, to do as much. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we can kind of rewind back to the last legislative session uh, and the, the I think, second and third special sessions. We had a bill filed by Tom Oliverson, uh, who essentially would have used 90 uh, percent of the surplus to pay down on M&O compression, uh, specifically tying it to zero. So this would have zeroed out M&O taxes eventually. Uh, of course, it would take would have taken about five to 10 years. Of course, since then, uh, back when that bill was filed, the surplus was about eight billion dollars. Now, it is $32.6 billion. And so we have a lot more money we're working with. Uh, and I believe that number is right around one year of school MO. And so we are still supporting the same thing. Really, we are hanging our hat on the fact that property taxes in and of themselves are immoral because they <laughs> laugh in the face of property rights. And so we have to eliminate this tax if we want to restore property rights to all Texans. How do we do that? Well, uh, we, we have essentially the same idea. Uh, TPPF has introduced this plan, a uh, very similar plan. I know the Huffines Institute that uh, Bill works with has introduced a similar plan as well. This would essentially take as much of that uh, surplus and pay down on school m and specifically putting into statute that the goal is 0% uh, rate of compression, right? So which essentially remove school m and or move it to general revenue. Uh, of course, uh, in our long-term goal to get rid of property taxes completely, we're still going to have to deal with cities and counties. Uh, we have ideas uh, how to deal with those. One of them would be introducing a spending cap that limits uh, their growth to population plus inflation because, you know, as, as many people maybe not realize, uh, we have some of the highest local debt in the nation. Our localities, our local governments are out of control. So by imposing the same fiscally responsible policy that we do on the state to local governments, we would basically replicate this exact same thing that we are doing here, which is uh, causing surpluses, which then we could use on the local level even to start eliminating those. And so the big picture is uh, overall elimination of property taxes, essentially a, a restoring property uh, rights back to Texans. We see the low-hanging fruit, specifically this legislative session, is dealing with school MNO. There's a number of bills. I believe there's four or five of them out there. I know Schaefer has one, Trucklear has one, Kane has one, uh, that would use that 90, about 90 percent of that surplus to start this process and put us on a path towards elimination. We see that that is the only feasible way to provide real lasting relief to Texans. I'm going to pivot to you next, Bill. I guess, the, you know, obviously we've seen proposals on both the House and Senate side thus far, right? Um, and the, the, the leading ones, the, the ones that are seemingly blessed off on by leadership, of course, in the Senate, you have Senate Bill 3, uh, Senate Joint Resolution 3, which specifically seemed to deal with the homestead exemption increase proposal uh, by Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. On the House side, we now have House Bill 2, which seems to be a combination of appraisal cap uh, appraisal caps, appraisal reform, and then also some additional, I use air quotes, uh, compression uh, there. I, I know this is a difficult task to talk about very quickly, but what are your thoughts there and why Why are both of those approaches um, inferior to, let's say, the buy-down approach? Well, I, I'd say the first reason 
I'd say the first reason that they're inferior is because they're they're so small and miserly. You know, we we wish they were my, this miserly with our money spending it on other things rather than giving it back to us. But there's this biennium. There's about sixty four billion dollars in new revenue. The thirty two billion surplus from the last biennium plus about thirty two billion more. Sixty four billion dollars. Out of those, they're they're only putting about ten to twelve billion, depending on. 10 in the House, 10 in the Senate, 12 in the House. They, they say 17 and, and 15, but they're making up that, that number because they're they're counting old property tax relief for that. So out of 64 billion, they're only willing to give us about 10 billion back. So that, that's the biggest problem. The other problem is, of course, that you know if you're using either the, the appraisal cap does almost nothing to reduce property taxes because districts just raise the rates. The, um, the homestead exemption only targets a small portion of the uh, property owners, which are homeowners, and that, that's about 40%, but everybody else, renters and businesses, don't make it. The, the way to do this is to buy down the property tax through what they call compression and shrink it every year until it goes away, and, and these exemptions don't do that. Vince, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I think what has been said is right on. Um, and, and what you don't have with any of the proposals with HB2 or with what the Senate's proposing um, is the elimination. And as we've discussed here, property taxes are an immoral tax. They're a wealth tax. They're, some, they're a tax that just shouldn't exist in a century economy. Um, and so if we want to stop renting and start owning our property, We've got to get on with this this buy down approach and put as much money of this as possible. Because remember, this is all taxpayer money. Local governments, state governments, even the federal government, they don't have money. They have to take it from us first before they have anything to spend anything else. And so if they are collecting more than what they consider their needs, you know, their their spending, their priorities, then that money should be returned to us, the taxpayer. And so, you know, there's a lot of good legislation that's out there that y'all have already mentioned um, that I think should really be looked at, you know, this session. Um, you even have um, Brian, Representative Brian Harrison, you know, put out a HJR, a joint resolution, constitutional amendment yesterday, or uh, recently, uh, along with the House bill, talking about prohibiting local property taxes after January 1st, 2029. So it, it sets up the stage for us to not have property taxes at the school district, city, county, or special um, district level. Or again, remember, the Constitution, Texas Constitution already prohibits the state from having a uh, property tax. Um, so we don't need these at the local level either, either, right? If it's not good for the state, why would it be good for the local level? Um, and so I think by going through our approach of this frozen budget, you know, freezing school M&O, Property taxes would be a big part of this, too, because when you start buying things down with this surplus, if they're able to just ratchet up their property taxes like they've done over the last couple of years at a pretty significant pace of 13 percent, then it's going to take us a long time to eliminate these property taxes. But if you freeze it, you buy it down. What we've shown in the, fro the frozen Texas budget you know, research is that you could do it within three to four years, that that's really a, a sh very short period of time to have more freedom to start to, to, to again, stop renting and start owning.
for the for the purposes of time, obviously we've we've mentioned here, uh, you know, we can't address this stuff without also talking about local government spending. Obviously, the tax is levied at the local level. Um, I know we briefly mentioned. I want to make sure I, I get the bill numbers in there. You know, when we're talking about maybe imposing a spending cap, for instance, that's based on population inflation on local governments. As of right now, to my knowledge, the only bill that's been filed to do so is House Bill 2258 by State Representative Briscoe Kane, a Republican out of Deer Park. Uh, we mentioned, of course, Brian Harrison had a few bills. Um, another bill that he's got uh, that we support is lowering the voter approval voter approval tax rate to that of the no new revenue tax rate that takes the form of house bill 2220 and ultimately what that means is that if any local government wants to right uh impose uh, or increase property tax rates no matter what one penny they would have to go to the voters we are of course supportive of that we support freezing isd um, mno uh, until compressed to zero of course um, i want to pivot to kind of the last thing on our legislative priority list which is we believe also deals with this issue and that's the banning of taxpayer funded lobbying now i'll briefly set the stage Obviously, this has been a legislative priority of the Republican Party of Texas the last two cycles. It's not an official legislative priority this cycle, but it is still included in their, their platform. Um, you know, of course, uh, a TFR taxpayer champion, state senator now, Mays Middleton, filed this bill yet again, uh, Senate Bill 175. We saw this morning that Ellen Troxclair, a new Republican freshman lawmaker in the House, filed House Bill 3538 to ban this practice statewide. Uh, want to kind of end on this. What are y'all's thoughts? Why is this something that needs to be curtailed um, when we're talking about the overall discussion of, uh, of uh, not only property taxes, but spending and everything else? I'll start with Tim first. So, yeah, I think, you know, again, you know, we've mentioned before that we will hang our head on the, the morality of this issue, right? Which, uh, if for those who don't understand what taxpayer-funded lobbying is, this is where local governments hire corporate lobbyists to go and advocate on their behalf uh, for things that are bad for taxpayers that ultimately raise revenue for those local governments and hurt taxpayers. Uh, I would just imagine, I'm gonna speculate here, that this big corporate welfare push that they have uh, in both the House and in the Senate, they're calling an incentive, but we know it is corporate welfare. I'm just gonna guess there's some taxpayer-funded lobbyists involved in this. And so this is uh, the largest corporate welfare program in Texas, uh, $11 billion, 313s that expired this last go round. They are trying to revive. And so it's, it's it's bad legislation and bad policy like this that we always see taxpayer-funded lobbyists advocating for. They work against taxpayers. When this was brought up in, I think it was in 2020, in the Republican primary on the ballot, over 95% of Republicans said they want to do away with this. Both um, uh, both of the uh, Democrat and Republican platforms do not like the 313 abatements, but yet, like I said, I'm, I'm speculating, but I'm sure there are taxpayer-funded lobbyists that are advocating for this nightmare that we're going to have to fight all session long. And so when it comes to the budget, when it comes to being fiscally responsible, when it comes to local governments uh, and their out-of-control spending, taxpayer-funded lobbying absolutely has a central role in uh, making making it worse, right? So we need to get rid of this immoral practice. Uh, we have local elect elected officials. We elect them for a reason. They actually have the right to go down to Austin and advocate on their own cities or their own counties' behalf, and that's what we would like to see. Vance, I'll start start here with you too. Do you have anything to add to that? Well, well, Jeremy, the way they kind of look at it, I think Tim hit on it really well. But you know, politicians should not be above the taxpayer. They should not be above the citizen. 
And what this is doing, using our taxpayer money to go on, you know, go over to the Capitol to lobby state legislators, legislators in order to have certain legislation is putting them above and beyond what the citizen can do. Yes, we can go do that, but we're not using other people's money to do it. We're using our own, whether it be gas or something else. Um, and, and so this is just a nonsensical sort of situation that should not be a part of our government. It reminds me a lot of the stuff that's going on of the, the weaponization of government at the federal level, right? Um, this is the weaponization of government at the local level, where they are going down to weaponize against us um, in a form of tyranny to put more spending, more taxes, and ultimately less freedom on the backs of taxpayers. And we, we've got to say enough is enough. Bill, uh, last final thoughts on that? Well, this is part of what the what I see is what I, I call the, the makers versus the takers. So we've got this system of government, unfortunately, in place today. And this is really what drove the Tea Party uh, back in the day and then the rise of Trump and populism and those types of things, where you, you have the people who are makers in society, uh, hard workers, but that's both businesses and individuals, and then you have the takers. The, the, the takers are the people who don't want to work so hard. They're, they're businesses who don't want to compete to earn profits. And so what they all do is they turn to government, right? And, and then the government joins in and needs to take some for themselves. And so they all get together and come to Austin and lobby for more stuff for them taking away from us. And, and taxpayer-funded lobbying is just one aspect of this bigger problem where the, the takers are taking away from us makers, the folks who are out there. And so if we're going to address this, like Vance termed it, the weaponization of government against us and, and just the, the, the impoverishment of our country through this process, because if you start taking away from the taker, the makers, then wealth doesn't get created like that. And we fall into European style poverty. So it's really important, I think, that we address this issue. I will say, uh, just to remind everyone, everything we talked about today and more can be found at our website, texastaxpayers.com. Um, of course, the bill filing deadline, as a reminder for state lawmakers, is Friday. That marks the 60th day of the ongoing 140-day 88th legislative session. Um, so you'll start to see stuff ramp up here um, starting really next week, especially as we get into kind of the, uh, the budget deliberations, if you will, towards the end of March, early April. So make sure to stay tuned to that. We'll, of course, be focused on that. Again, texastaxpayers.com uh, to find all of that and more to include additional podcasts and everything. I appreciate Bill and Vance joining us this morning. Thanks so much. We will be back next Monday with another episode here via Twitter Spaces of the week ahead. Y'all take care.